If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. <laughs> we are live with a new, completely unnecessary podcast episode for Wednesday, April 23rd, 2014. Alongside my less bearded compadre this week, Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I am Pat Contry. We're going to talk about lots of fun stuff this evening, but Ian, first, how are we doing? I'm here. <laughs> and that's all you can ask for, right? That's about all I can get right now. <laughs> I hear you. I, I had a long weekend. I was uh, back home in New, New Jersey seeing the rents, as they say. I see them cool getting off the par part of parents. The rents. Apostrophe rents. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and so what it, what, it, what it showed me, and my sister, and I saw my cousin. Uh, what it what it showed me is that I I didn't make a bad decision moving out here. Not that I really hate my family, but you know, a few days is enough for me. Like three days, that's fine. That's enough to get back to you know my life over here. You know, I I feel the same way. I actually I love my family, but I don't regret moving from Buffalo. I don't know. There's something about that little northeastern corner of the United States, with the exception of what NYC, maybe. A lot of people move from there and don't. They don't, don't look back. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things where you realize that I know the differences between the people, the differences in the culture, and the personalities. But when you go back, you're like, "Wow, it hits you." You know, at least at least in New Jersey, how people are just more, I guess, in your face than they are out here. It does hit you. There is a, di- a stark difference. There is, but that's actually one of the things that I I do miss. You do miss people. Well, just I, I prefer being the your place? yeah the the upfrontness of East Coast people to me is far more preferable than the, the possible. Backstabbing, uh, passive aggressive bull- yeah, bullshit pa- of the West Coast. That's I something de- I don't like. I deal with that every week. It seems now. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> we won't get into that though. Um, we have a doozer hanging out. How's, how's it going? And then we have we have the headphones because, uh, well, we look more professional with headphones. Uh, but also our last podcast, there was something weird. There was one setting on the mic where I think it was like one of like the upper frequencies was set up, and that's why it was like really garbled. Um, even with the compression, something was just wrong. So this is hopefully to ensure that that's not going to happen again. You know, Ian's raising his hand. Yes, Ian. I would just like to point out that um, doozer sticks are made out of uh, radishes. Yes, they're, they are. They're basically radish candy. Yeah, that's basically what the fraggles subsist on. Do you, do you remember the one episode where the fraggles said we're not going to eat them? Yeah. So then what happened? And they built they built huge structures but then, and took over everything but, so they had to eat them. No, no, but then they were out of a job. Well, yeah. It was like an economics lesson almost. They, it was like they, they, they had no work. They couldn't build any anymore, so yeah. they, were, they were fucked. Yeah, so I mean, that was almost like teaching kids, oh, so we have to destroy buildings every now and then almost, right. you know. So, um... So what's coming up on the show today? We're going to do the rundown. We should have like the official rundown is sponsored by. We should... <laughs> Speaking of, if you actually want to, uh, I was going to say before, we're, we're almost professional now with headphones. We're not professional yet with any sort of sponsorship or ads. If you're interested in sponsoring or wanting ads, uh, send an email to cupodcast at thepunkeffect.com. I set up the email. We'll talk about it. I don't have any rates set or anything, but hey, you know you know how people do audible.com or whatever. Maybe we'll, you know. I'll, I'll work for beer. 
you know, you, you know our famous live reads from the marathon, and just picture that on the show for all 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 posterity. Also, PC Engine games. There you go. <laughs> you know, we're to sponsor. We'll start sponsoring resellers on eBay. They'll start wanting to advertise. A sack of decent candy. <laughs> I'm not, you know, anything. It's fine. So, so this is what's going on in the show today. Um, we're, we we will be taking your Q and A, but we're 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 pre-sorting them now. Um, so if you, if you, if you submit them now during the show, we're not going to see them because for two reasons. One, we want to make sure we get it to only the top ones and plus the ones we didn't answer before, or excuse me, or the ones we did answer before, we don't want to repeat it. And plus we don't want to be here for three hours. Like sometimes it just goes way long because people keep submitting questions as we're talking and we never get through it. We have lives kind of outside of this, maybe a little bit now. So on the show today, we're going to have a few main topics. We're going to be speaking about uh, the Game Boy 25th anniversary Yay. of its release. That's pretty cool. Um, we're going to do, be doing our sort of our Captain America Winter Soldier review and you know conversation since we, since we both saw it. I saw it uh, second day it came out. I've seen it twice. Ian finally saw it, and so we figured we'd speak about that. And then also, uh, Ian's uh, sort of... Uh, <laughs> Ian's bad customer story. So yeah, we'll talk Jesus. about that too. That'll be fun. We never really got around to that. And with today, Ian not having the best experiences uh, with that, we'll talk about that. But on, on a, I guess a slightly sadder note is that um, I announced it on Twitter and um, uh, Frank's cat Tyler passed away. And I'm kind of bummed about it. It's because Tyler was a very cute cat. Very good cat. Um, she was always like meowing a lot and always friendly. You, you, she always would come up to you and want to be petted. I paid more attention to Tyler than I did you or Frank. Yeah. And then uh, the, the cute thing about Tyler was that she was, she. I mean, a lot of cats are wacky, but she would like run to the door and be let out. And yeah, you run out and she'd run away into like the food and that always would bother Frank. And then she always, she liked ice cream. So whenever she would even hear like the clicking of like the, of the spoon and the, and the cereal bowl, she knew like she would run over and then she would get up in your face and just stare at you like while you're eating the ice cream. Just like, like anxiously. And so me and Frank would usually give her like 10 licks. We'd be like, ready, go. And we'd count up to 10 and let her lick the, like the rest of the leftover vanilla ice cream, whatever. I'd always make her happy. She'd be like, like, like smacking her lips. She was a championship stare. I have a couple <laughs> photos that I took of where she would get on my lap. Would just look at you? And, and she would just look at me and she'd get close and close. And I've got a photo somewhere of her, like, she got right up nose she- to nose. <laughs> and I actually got the photo of it, but like, she's like, Right there, I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are you doing, cat? So I mean, she was 19. Um, she 19? had a 19. I thought she was 16 at first. Frank says she was 19. That's that, a long life. That's a good cat. run. She was pretty healthy um, until I, I'd say. Well, she was always healthy probably until this year, but she was actually uh, overweight for years. Where she couldn't uh, when I first moved here, she couldn't jump on the couch. I told Frank she has to lose weight. And then once she, once she lost weight, she could jump on the couch again. I'd say maybe only the last year, she, maybe her her health started to fade a bit. Um, and so, you know, Frank, you know, Frank's a little sad, but he'll, he'll get over it. He'll, he'll probably get a new cat. He needs a, he needs our good ratter, as he says, to keep the, keep the vermin out. You know, good <laughs> ratter. The term is mouser. I mean, is that really the term? Uh, if you go to the SPCA, they ask you on the questionnaire, what do you plan on using this cat for? And one of the things that you can check off, which I'm fairly certain means you will never, ever get the cat, is a uh, mouser. A mouser? A mouser. Why wouldn't that be a reason to get the cat? That's, that's our natural sort of predatory behavior that's what you want i don't know keep keep those diseased rats away and in, in houser that's that's a villain in super mario too yeah so let's talk about uh, uh first I, I guess you had a bad day at the uh at the store today with a few employees and we might as well talk about that as well as like just just in general like some of your wackier bad sort of a, a customer so uh, luna, luna store customer quirky stories i guess <laughs> I'll I'll try to do my best with this as I can to to lead in, and I'm not going to get 
too personal about it. This has not been a good month. Uh, lots of personal things happening with family. Uh, there will be a death in the family soon of someone who I'm very, very close to. So this is going to perhaps be a little cathartic for me to just go and rant for a while. So I got some bad news today. And somehow today just happened to be the day where every single person was an asshole. Now, Ocean Beach compared to La Mesa. This is a thing that usually throws people off. And those are the two Luna stores. Those are the are. two locations for Luna. Um, Ocean Beach is more affluent, especially when you get out of the, the beachfront sure. area. And uh, La Mesa is definitely the, the poorer area. Uh, when I bitch about things that happen at the store, people always assume, you know, I'm in a bad neighborhood or something like that. No. Mm-hmm. All the all the problem customers are in Ocean Beach. All the assholes are in Ocean Beach. You know, they're the ones who bitch about every single price well, or, sure. you know, and, and, and they don't really know what they're doing in there. Um, but why is that, though? I don't, I don't... I have a few theories. Well... There's a lot, there's a lot of, like, layabouts. Yes. Listless younger people. There's a lot of gr- uh, grifters and drifters. You have two poles. You yeah. have you have the layabouts who don't want to spend any money on anything because they don't have it, and the only way they can take it out on you is by yelling at you over something stupid. Yeah, they're trying to sell you like a, a like Guitar Hero guitars, and they want like fifty bucks for it. And then you have the very <laughs> rich parents who didn't get rich by spending money. Sure. So that's kind of what the problem is, and you just you have a lot more entitlement in the more affluent neighborhood uh, in Ocean Beach. You know, it's a uh, there's more entitlement. There's, I don't know. Everyone seems to think that they should get their own way. Uh, not to make too much of a social statement, but you go to a a a a, a badder neighborhood, a less downtrodden or more downtrodden neighborhood. Uh, people aren't used to getting their way. Sure. People, you know, value their money and they they make their choices wisely. You know, they 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 come in and they look at games for two weeks before they come back and buy something. And never once do they really complain. I mean, it's not to say that I don't have problems out in La Mesa, because I occasionally do. You have to deal with some drug addicts and stuff like that that you have to shoo out of the mm-hmm. store, but for the most part, everyone's a lot friendlier. So, I don't know, we'll just start We'll just start with one story today. Now, keep in mind, these, this is not a greatest hits of, of, of <laughs> my, my, my eight years at Luna Video Games, but this is just an example eight of years. how... Yeah. This is wow. just an example of how a bad day can, can progress. Gentleman walks in this morning, and walks up and puts... Two boxes and a sealed game on the counter. And I stand up and I look at them, and it's a sealed PlayStation Move controller. Okay. PlayStation I, and a copy of Sports, whatever the fuck it's called, Sports Heroes or, or yeah. whatever. Their, their, uh, their version of Wii Sports. Absolutely dog shit worthless. The I Move mean, Control is not worth anything? No, I, I, no I, one wants I it. can't move them. I can't move them to save my life. Um, we have them priced lower than GameStop. I, we just can't move them. No one's interested. Okay. So I stand up. And I look at it, and real politely, I go, you know, are you looking for cash or credit? And he goes, cash. I go, okay. I said, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to do much for you. And he starts, like, piling the games up. And I go, yeah, sorry, I just, I, you know, he's obviously, like, getting ready to leave. I'm like, I can give you a quote, but I said, you know, I I can't move these. I've got more than I need. And he starts chuckling to himself. And he turns around and walks away. How old is this person? Uh, I would say older... I would say late 30s. Late 30s, okay. Yeah. So he's an adult, supposedly. And as he's walking away, he goes, a simple no would have sufficed. And I think to myself, I mean, real quick, this is a guy who's just not used to hearing no. In general. This is a guy who's And you did say no in a nice way, kind of. And and, and this is just a guy who's upset that he's not getting money for his bullshit that he thinks should be worth something. And I, I said... 
sorry, sir. I said, I just wanted to kind of explain to you why I can't take that. Mm-hmm. Because this is the thing that sunk in for me afterwards. And we're, and we're not done with this story, but... Um, a simple no would have sufficed. That's bullshit. Yeah. If I had stood up and looked at his boxes and went, no, no, yeah. and sat back down, I, he would have been yeah. way more angry. I worked in an office, and they always say, never say no to like a coworker or a customer. You never say no. Yeah. You never use those words. Right. So, so you know, I, I explained myself, and as he's walking away, he decides to throw this barb out there, and this is great. You know, just thought I'd try local for once. What a- like, 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 like he was, here's the difference. If you walk into a store yeah. and you're looking around and you want to buy something, that's giving locals business. Mm-hmm. Coming to me to offload your shit. To take money from a local business. You're not doing you a favor, really. Right, right. To, to offload your <laughs> shit that I can't sell for anything isn't doing me a favor. And it's almost like, it's almost like he's trying to make you feel ashamed for you not supporting your own local business by not engaging with him. Right. To, to buy his garbage, which you explained that that's not good for my business to buy your garbage. So I looked at so him. So he's just an idiot. I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to get much elsewhere. And he goes, I already talked to Best Buy. Best Buy said they'd give me something for it. And in my head, I'm like, is Best Buy even still taking games? And if they are, what? I mean, did you just call someone and someone was like, well, yeah, 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 whatever, and hung up the phone should, just to yeah. get him off the phone? So anyways, so anyways, he was like, Best Buy already said it. And I said, well, sir, it's probably not going to be much. And he called me an asshole on his way out the door. So, and this was like a well-to-do kind of yeah. guy. Like, oh, yeah, this was totally well-to-do, nice shirt, nice not, clothes. Not an Ocean Beach dr- drifter, grifter guy. No, not okay. someone who stole these out of a garbage can. This was someone who got this as a gift and just decided they didn't want it. Or had a nephew or niece or right. son or something. And, you know, they thought they were going to make a quick, you know, 30, 40 bucks off of this shit. I don't even sure. think a full set of that stuff would cost you what he was probably yeah. hoping to get from it. So, we move on. And, so uh, did you say anything after he said? You just didn't say anything. No, I just, I just, I just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, what was? There were so many of them. Well, I'm gonna tell him out of order. I have this kid come in. He's probably like eight or nine years old. He always comes in. Little bastard. He always wants to trade away his games, and they're always games that are like five years old that sell for five dollars or ten dollars, mm-hmm. and I can't give him much. And he always sighs and a little bit, and he uh, he gets a little upset, but. You know, he usually takes the credit that I give him, and um, today he comes in and starts asking me about all these sports games. I'm like, no. No, I'm like, I can't take sports games. Uh, I don't take sports games older than current year. So he's like, well, what about Madden 25? And I said, well, I said I would probably still do 15 in credit for Madden 25. Really? Is that one still popular? It's the most current year. I feel like that's pretty fair. I feel like that's better than what games do. With the metal case or whatever in defense. I don't know. (laughs) And he goes... He, like, looks at me in disbelief. He's like, that's the most recent year. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, sports games don't move. And I point at a pile of sports games on the ground. Was he with his parent? No. No, oh. no, no. And I point at the pile of sports games on the ground. And I go, I go, see? I said, they, they don't sell. And he goes, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, <laughs> yeah. it, it is, actually. Because that's why I won't buy sports games for anything anymore. And... I, I, I got to promise you, I was not rude this whole time. I, I you know, I was, sure. I, I was very calm with him. And he turns around, and as he's walking out, he's like, "Don't shop here. They're all about the money. They're all about the money." <laughs> to all the customers, he's like, "He's like, I'm going to GameStop," and I'm like, "GameStop isn't going to give you fuck all for that." <laughs> 
boy is going to hop on a skateboard and, and go on down or has his uh, mom his, and he drive him to GameStop? His Razor scooter. His Razor scooter. His Razor scooter. I'm like, fine, go the seven miles there to, you know, to the GameStop. It's not close or five miles, whatever it is. And they're not going to, like I said, not going to give you anything. Right. You so, know, give him five bucks. That's funny as hell. He's all about the money. No, we're just giving away everything in a retail store. Yeah. Where we have a lease to take care of an employee's. So then I get to this guy who comes in, and this is one of the more shiftless, like, OB layabout types. Drunk is a fucking skunk. Um, stumbles in, looks around. I'm like, how's it going? He's like, it's going good. Just looking for some games. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he walks up to the counter, right? Mm-hmm. And he looks down at it and goes, is a uh, black DS in here? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's a DS? I said, it's a 3DS. And he goes, Pfft. 140. He goes, how about, uh, about 50? <laughs> and he said it with a straight face. Straight face. Like, like you would have budged. All and right. I said, sir, I, I'm not giving away a Nintendo 3DS. He goes, I'm not asking you to give it away. I'm asking you to make a deal. Now, I don't know why this person has a southern accent, because he's not southern. He's totally You're just making West one up? Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that's Ian's just like random uh, yeah. customer accent. I don't know. I didn't ask you to give it away. Yeah. I asked you to make a deal. So he just <laughs> stares at me and he looks at me and he's like, so? And I said, no, not a chance. And I said, and he turns around and goes, little bitch. <laughs> and just starts walking away. And I didn't even, I, I this is, the thing was, I, I, I didn't have anything to say. At this point <laughs> in, in my know. day, everything You're- had gone so poorly. That all I did was scream. I screamed, what the fuck? I don't know if I was screaming to a god I don't believe in, or if I was screaming at him or to the passerbys, because the people across the street heard me and looked across the street. I just let loose a dragon roar and screamed, what the fuck? And he got real undrunk real quick and ran. He went from a stumble to a run out of the stores. He looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm sure I portrayed myself as a crazy person, but at that point, it's like, what What the... F- I, I mean, I'm looking for the fucking camera in the store. You know, I'm waiting for Dom DeLuise's corpse to punch <laughs> up through the ground. And be like, surprise! You're a candy bruh! You know, and... I don't know, it's just it's full of little shit like that. I don't know, if you, if you go to a store... Uh, look, yes, the people who work in retail... You have every right to be treated kindly, uh, as long as you are treating the people who are helping you sure. kindly. They are, we, we're, we're still humans. Um, when you sell something to a store that does buyback, so it's a video game store or a pawn shop, we're under no obligation to buy anything that you bring in. No. You know, it, we have a business to run. Just because you bring me a bag of stuff doesn't mean I'm going to give you a bag of money in return. It's not how it works. Sure. And likewise, because like that kid... I'm sorry, next time he comes in with games, I'm going to tell him to go to GameStop so he can get his 50 cents, a copy of a game. Because I, I don't care. If I deal with his parents by then, it should be funny. That would be a whole other story. I just, you know, there, we we don't have to sit there and and take it. You know, we, we don't have to sell you anything. We don't have to buy anything from you. So, I don't know. I, like I said, today was a... I get more bad customers in OB than anywhere else, but today well, was just particularly rough. It was just particularly rough. Um, here's the, here's the thing about people. I deal with it to some extent. I mean, when you have like a, I guess somewhat of a fan base and well, I guess you do too in the podcast is that people expect just because I guess they, they see you as servicing them in some way, not to be in a dirty way, but either by providing them entertainment or they, they expect that they can treat you as shitty as they want. And just because they think that they're the one that is in control because you're the one servicing them or 
you know, or they're the one that's providing their fandom to you that they can just treat you with disrespect and expect nothing bad back in return. And for the most part, a lot of people just avoid it. I don't. I know other guys that don't. Uh, and it, it's not right just to take it. It really isn't. No. Because it's a two-way street. It really is yeah. when it comes to anything like that. It's like, I, I, I always look at it as, at the end of the day, you treat people like human beings. And then, like, it's secondary what their uh, sort of their position is and what they're doing. You know, that, that, that should be sort of like, yeah, that's where, where they're at. But you have to treat people with respect either way. You know. I'm on this side of the counter, you're on that side of the counter, but really, let's just communicate like two adults, yeah. and everything will get done just fine. I mean, that that's it. Yeah, like, like for example, on my videos, like, you know, we, we, we see people that have these comments about Ian, you know, Ian's, uh, Ian's an asshole, he talks too much, or Pat doesn't <laughs> talk enough on the videos, and it's just like, you can say things nicely in critique. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Right. You know, there, there was a comment on RetroWare. It was it was the last video I posted on Retroware actually, which made it go a little sour. Just because, not that you expect everyone to have positive comments, but on Retroware, for for some reason on that site, sometimes the commenters are a little more, more uh, acerbic than other websites I've seen, even YouTube. But one guy like t- thought it'd be cool to criticize my 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 last two videos on the site, which were both the Famicom games, and the first one I did is a tribute to Justin, and he said, "Well, these videos weren't creative enough for me," and it's just like, excuse me. You know, it's just like, so I responded back to, that's a little crass of you to, you know, the, the, the I wasn't thinking about being extremely creative doing a tribute video to my dead friend. That wasn't the, the first thing on my right. mind. Was it, did I think it was entertaining? Did I think it had some good laughs? Yeah, but it, I wasn't going all balls out and wanted to, like, have a Donkey Kong fight in a video, you know, that was a tribute to, to Justin, you know. And so then he gets back to me like, well, you know, you can't take critique. It's <laughs> just like, no, I, yeah, that's what it is. I can't take critique. I've been critiqued so much. I used to get people threatening to beat me up on game trailers. You know, I used to get featured on the site in like 2010. But I can't take your, your shitty critique. No, I can take critique, but I can take critique that's nice and constructive or at least doesn't attack you like in such just a visceral, just idiotic way. There's a well, difference. This is where we go back to, and not to get too off topic, but this is where we go back to the internet providing, you know, Excuse me. A, 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 a barrier that people feel like lets them be assholes. I, I, rec- I, I saw on like a recent video that we did. Uh, you know, someone was real sarcastic and was like, "Yeah, that fifty plus decibel thing isn't working out real well for you guys, huh?" And it's like you could have just said instead of being a dick, you could have just said, "Hey, that was a little loud." Was there a problem? And someone did that. And obviously, yeah. I responded. So yeah, we had we had yeah. a setting up. You don't think I'm the first person to realize that I was pissed? Right. The last podcast that our audio was all yes, fucked no, up. No, somehow you uploaded all of those without that. Yeah, you think I was yeah. happy about that? And so like people, it comes back to when they're customers too. They think they have this. Like they have a right then to be right. mean. You see it with waiters and waitresses all yeah. the time, which I did forever. So anyway, last line, just the way to kind of draw it together. But I, I feel the same thing about like the, the internet providing this false bravado. Yeah, I, I get it all the time. These customers who want to be dicks more often than not they will walk out and say their last parting word as they're leaving the the store because and I, rounding the literal barrier between me yeah, and yeah, them it's, because it's like, what fucking assholes like yeah, you, have, you have no you have you have no character no character no spine at least say it to your yeah. face too right yeah it's always the best thing when you're on the phone with someone or an argument where it's like can we can we end this like as as, as humans and not just like you got to get the last word and feel good about yourself do you feel that awful about yourself that you have to go you know either to a to an employee somewhere or or online and you have to Go out of your way to be a dick. That's what it comes down to. Right. Going out of your way to be a dick. But that's. But again, some people are just like that. Yeah. I don't have the. I don't have the the uh, 
the shiniest view of humanity a lot of times because of that. Because I know there's lots of nice people, but it's like the the few like oh, fruit bad apples spoil the bunch. Oh. No, but it's kind of like it kind of puts you in a, in a bad way. It does. I refuse to fall into the the pit of misanthropy. I hate it. I think it's a cop out and it's an excuse. I know too many good people to fall into that. But on a day like today, it is very easy to just put my head down on the keyboard hit all the buttons and say, I fucking hate everyone. Because, I mean, that's how you feel. The only problem is you, you can't let yourself fall into that as a regular routine. Oh, maybe, then, maybe life, I, then, then life is going to be miserable. Maybe, maybe I do that too often. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. So I got some of that out of my system. And those, uh, those, uh, You should have complained. The, the employee, the, the customer, always supposed to get... They're always right in the end. So wh- why don't you talk less and let Pat talk more on this... <laughs> The customer is always a customer. There you go. All right, um, we're going to move on to uh, uh, the Game Boy. Yes. Okay. Now the twenty fifth anniversary of the Game Boy releases. I always re- forgot that it was in the springtime when it was released. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite systems. Uh, when I did my pins for Magfest, it was one of the four systems that got its own <laughs> pin. Ian gave out pins at Magfest. He gave out uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color, Game Boy, PC Engine. And what was the fourth one? Genesis. Genesis. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, the Game Boy was created in, I believe, it was released in 1989, but it, the development was headed by uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who uh, was also the father of the Game & Watch. And what he did was take everything he learned on the Game & Watch, including uh, how to work with outdated technology and make, I believe he referred to it as withering tech. Mm-hmm. Um, he learned how to take withering tech and turn it into a cartridge-based system, but he transferred over a lot of the things that he had created uh, on the Game & Watch that were used by Nintendo, things like the D-pad, the buttons, and all that. And he made the, the this, Nintendo made this very low-tech handheld. It only showed four shades of they call it green, but I mean it's or gray, but it's, it's gray green. green. It was green on the first. Um, you know, it takes four AA batteries, but it does last a while, and uh, it came out at a price point that wasn't too painful on the wallet, unlike the Atari Lynx, which retailed for almost two hundred. Was it eighty nine ninety nine? Uh, yeah, I, that's what I wanted to say. I was going to err on the side of a hundred, but I, I want to say it was ninety dollars. Some yeah. reason that's sticking out in my mind. Right. Well, for a long time, Nintendo kept their portables at a really cheap price point by using this. Well, this withering tech I was gonna design say, theory. It wasn't color, so right. the, so the screen the screen alone, if it was color, it would have been a lot more like the Game Gear. Sure, but it wasn't. So it launched with a uh, uh, Tetris, baseball, tennis, tennis, alleyway, alleyway, and in Super Mario Land. Or yeah, Super Mario Land. That was a launch title. That was a launch title. But was there one more? I'm missing. Uh, there was one more. In I'll Japan. look it up. There was five here. All right. Um, but it went on to be one of the most popular selling systems. It wasn't surpassed by anything Nintendo did until their DS. Um, and, you know, it sold something like 118 million units, I think. Now, that's including the pocket and the color revisions, but they're all roughly running on the same hardware. Sure. The, col- the color is... The pocket is... The color is a little... I mean, it's very slightly souped up. Very slightly. Um, but, yeah, I love it. You know, I, I definitely... I, I play my Game Boy all the time, but, you know, I made sure to play it on a Monday, which was the actual birthday, and I pull. I have a Snoopy lunchbox that you gave me that I put all of my Game Boy cards in, Aww. and uh, <laughs> what, what amazed me is as I'm playing through some of these is, you know, we kind of talked about this before, uh, about, you know, mobile games and cell phone games, um, but these games on the Game Boy that are over 15 years old, um, 
a lot of them hold my attention far better than anything that I could be playing on a, on a phone or, you know, something like that. Like, the tech, they did so much with the technology. Well, the technology was, um, some of the games, well, it came out four years after the NES. Right. So in terms of the, what they could do, some of the Game Boy games are really impressive. Even but, though it's only, it's only, you know, monochrome, basically. Yeah, I mean, some of the effects that it does, like, if you play, say, for instance, well, this is a good example for two things that I want to bring up. Uh, Sunsoft's Batman on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. You know, very different from the NES and Genesis versions. Um, but, like, at the start of every level, it does this unique thing where it, like, rotates and flips the screen upside down. Just an effect that the Nintendo could not handle properly. Sure. Um, and Batman, or any Sunsoft game on the Game Boy, will show you just how amazing that sound chip was compared to oh, the yeah. Nintendo's. And that's one of the things that keeps the Game Boy really relevant today is the huge chiptune scene that, that you know, that, that revolves largely... I wish they would branch out a little bit more, but revolves largely around the Game Boy. Why? Because it's cheap, it's portable, and it's powerful. I mean, that that yeah. system had some really good tech in it, despite the the yeah. pea soup green. You know, it it's, was it was nice. You forget that um, a lot of like the later NES games, like Ducktales two, a lot of those had Game Boy ports that they came out with a lot more. And yeah, I mean, for a handheld, they were good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they were well done. A lot of those Mega Man games that came out on the system. Those you are know. fantastic. Uh, DuckTales 1 was actually, you know, quite good. And um, people don't, don't... I mean, we take it for granted now, but that put handhelds on the map. Before that, you're dealing with the Entex Select game, which no one had. Microvision. And the Microvision. So it really wasn't... But until the Game Boy, handhelds weren't a viable property. You know, you had... In, in 89, you also... Or was it in early 90, the Turbo Express. That was too expensive. That was two ninety nine ninety nine. For that, I believe at the time. Now, obviously, it was incredible technology, the Travel Express, but it was it was that was like the the Cadillac of handhelds. No one had that. Well, the Lynx was nice too, but like I said, I mean, everyone was the Lynx was nice too, but it, it, it didn't have the, the games. No. Mostly Atari first first party games. You had a lot of the arcade yeah. ports and maybe a few third party games. But well, it, in truth be told, of those three, the Game Boy was actually the most portable. I mean, we look at it as big and yes. bulky now. I think it's a really comfortable system to hold. I like bulkier systems, but um, it oh, was... Yeah, the Lynx was not portable. No. They, I remember the commercials the kids would put in their pocket that was like this, like like a foot deep, but no, it wasn't portable. Especially not with the jeans kids were wearing at the time. You weren't, <laughs> you weren't, you weren't wedging that into your I remember the kids, are, the kids are playing like in the bathroom stall at school, and it's just like, the thing was like a foot, almost. It was big. Yeah. Even, yeah. even the second version was big. It, it was like a few inches shorter, but it was still big. So, you know, um, any discussion about the Game Boy would, wouldn't be right without talking about uh, Tetris as the pack-in. Oh, of course. How influential I, that, that, that was on you it. can, its you, immediate success, at least yeah. in the U.S. You can argue that if, if Tetris wasn't packed in, it, it would not have been even nearly as big as it was. I know people who still, I mean, come into the store to this day with their kids and their moms or dads, and, you know, they say, I don't know anything about this video game stuff, but they'll see, like, the Game Boys <laughs> in the, in the in the be like, oh, I still have one of those with Tetris. And that's the only game they ever had for it, yeah. and that's all they play on it, and and they still do. You know, I mean, they just throw four. I don't know, they throw four batteries in, and just leave it on the back of the toilet, or I mean, probably. I don't recall if it was advertised to like businessmen and and people slightly older, but I remember just in my head being that was the message it was giving off. That if Nintendo was for was for kids, the Game Boy was for adults and kids. Like they sort of made this transition somehow well, to that point. They made it a very. They adver- and it worked for them, but they advertised it as a very age and gender. I-, I seem to remember, at least at least in the early days, the Play It Loud series was obviously going more towards kids. But anyway, my point, uh, it kind of comes across as an age and gender neutral system. Sure, you know it's it's gray. 
You know, I mean, there's nothing flashy about a Game Boy. You know, it's very basic looking. And it gets packed in with Tetris, which I think for most kids would probably not be their choice of packing game. They would want Super Mario. But that was a good way for parents to either get something that they would use themselves or buy something. And then Nintendo basically had a guaranteed sale of another game because they knew Tetris wasn't going to hold their kids over forever. Sure, I also also think that they were probably surprised... Uh, that it appealed to females so much Tetris. I don't think they could have saw that really coming. I, you know, like all of a sudden you have this puzzle game that, wow, this is a game that that girls and women can pick up and play, and they like it just as much as the guys do. Yeah, they were. You know. I don't. I think that caught them by surprise, but they were very proud of that, and they did kind of rest on that. That you know, they you know various puzzle games for the system, like Doc. You know, it was pretty much ensured that any good puzzle game, even bad puzzle games. We're going to get ports to the Game Boy to keep that mm-hmm. that market alive, which at the time I think it was looked at as uh, this isn't me saying it. This is like the market. It, you know, women play puzzle games. That's what they do. So you know, Doctor Mario got a port. Yoshi got a port. You know, I mean, basically, if you look at any display of of gray cart Game Boy games, you're going to mm-hmm. see a ton of puzzle games on there. Everyone was trying to recreate that success of Tetris. And and, and so you always, uh, you, you, it's harder hard to forget. But the Game Boy's life was was if you include the if you include the uh, the color it was oh. over ten years. Yeah, yeah, that's insane for any system. Up but ninety nine, I think. But for a handheld, yeah. Well, actually, when did the Game Boy Advance come out? Two thousand one. Two thousand. Two thousand. Two thousand. Off the top of my head, it was two thousand. So you're the talking last... ten plus years of a handheld system. Do you imagine that today? With with now Game Boy, uh, the game, the new basically the new if you want to call them the new Nintendo handhelds, it's every like four or five years there's a new one coming out almost. Yeah. But well, if you count, you know, I don't count the pocket. That's the same. I love. By the way, I love when the pocket came out. Such a just, nice screen. Very just because high contrast. if that was what it originally was with black and white and clear, I probably would have would have wanted that. The, the turnoff for me was um, with the Game Boy was that it was green. That bothered me that it wasn't color as a kid. Right. I fi- I figured for that cost, I didn't know about the cost of LCDs or whatever. But I was looking at the Turbo Express and Game Gear, like, well, those are color. What's why isn't the Game Boy? You know, so I never got one. And and I never really asked for one either. I remember as a kid, I, I so I always only really played it, borrowing it from my my friend Kevin. I, he, he had Batman. You know, he had a lot of like the the early titles. I think he had Alleyway. He had Super Mario Land. So I, I that's why I'm not a huge Game Boy guy today, just because I didn't really grow up with it. Mm. Unfortunately, it was the first system that my brother and I bought with our own money. We when we live when my parents were living in an apartment, our landlord was this really nice dude named Steve. He used to let us play Ninja Turtles in the back of his truck. Like Ninja Turtles, he had everyone had that first Ninja Turtles game. It seemed like because that was so big when, in eighty nine, ninety, and the Turtles. Oh no, I mean like he would park his actual truck in the parking lot because he lived above the duplex, and okay. he would let us use the bed of the truck as the sewer. All the kids would play in the backyard and stuff. He didn't care. He was just a nice guy. He was just let you climb all over his shit. He he let you, wait. He he used what was the sewer you were playing in? The bed of the truck. He had a pickup truck. Okay. Yeah, he didn't care if you climbed around in there and played on his okay. truck. I'm trying to keep this keep this not creepy. It's not creepy. Okay. No, it's not like he played Ninja Turtles with us. He just didn't care if we used okay. his truck as part of whatever we were doing. <laughs> whatever. Anyways, um, he would always let my brother and I rake leaves, and he would pay us pretty well. He paid us $100 to rake all of his properties four times in the fall. So my brother went out and bought a Game Boy, and we actually shared it very well. <laughs> the system I bought the next year would be the Genesis. But, yeah, anyways... Um, 
So I have fond memories of it. I did grow up with it. I didn't have a lot of games for it, though, when I was growing up. I had, like, four, which is why I love Fall of the Foot Clan so goddamn much, because it was one of the few games it's I had. It's a simple game, but it, I, I you like it. it. Yeah. It's like those early those early Game Boy games that were side-scrollers. The characters were, like, big, but there was, like, only one guy coming at a time that you would hit, basically, yeah, yeah. you know? That was the whole game. But I got really good at Alleyway, obviously, I had Tetris. I'm trying to think of one of the other big ones I had. I don't know. I think for a long time it was those three games that I had. And that's all that kept you going. Now, did you remember linking up with your friends and, and playing the, the two-player mode? So that, was that cool at the time to do that? I, we never got to make too much use of that. I, didn't, I don't think I did a link mode until Pokemon. Oh, really? Yeah, so, uh, I don't think I so linked So then you went out and bought it at that point. Did it, did it come with it or no? You had a, what? The link. I thought it didn't come with it. No, it doesn't. It came with the headphones. Yeah, it came with a set of really, like, gross like I remember one side was red and one was blue on it it was just funny because the ones I have in the box I do have the headphones uh, for but yeah they're like the cheapest headphones probably that's still cool is to have the headphones I think that's what appealed again that appealed to the the older people probably too they can go in the subway and play it play their their handheld you know how long, how long did the batteries last? Do you remember how long like, a fresh set of batteries would last? And it, it came with batteries, too. It came with those red batteries. You know, it, it's it's always longer than people think. Um, Six I'm, hours? Eight hours? Oh, no. Uh, I'm fairly certain it's about 30 because... My, really? Because my backlit one gets about 20 to 25. With a ba- Really? With a backlit? Mm-hmm. Wow. And you think that's probably like double the power it takes or whatever percentage Let's more. be a little conservative. I'd say 20 on my backlit one. I'd probably say about 22 to 25 hours on that non-backlit wow. one. Wow. Yeah. See, I would not expect that. No. At all. Mm-hmm. Um, could be wrong, but I mean, I get insane. I, I but I'm, that, that's those are the numbers I've heard knocked around, and I get like I said, I get insane life out of my backlit one. I, you would think that I would get much less life out of it. So the legacy of the Game Boy is obviously Nintendo's been dominating the handheld market for twenty five years, which is insane to think about. That's it's absolutely insane. I think it's been good for Nintendo and bad. Um, it's been good because they've really focused on things like uh, their portable market, and their portables have continued to be oh, yeah. awesome devices to this day. Yeah. A couple slip-ups here and there, but, you know, for the most part, I mean, I didn't like the first iteration of the Game Boy Advance, you know. Yeah, because it, it didn't have a dark screen. Yeah, well, you can't play the damn thing. Right. But once I got the SP out there, you're like, okay, this is cool. I mean, the I, screen was darker on the GBA than it was on the color. Um, but I think Nintendo has also not learned to separate their design theory for handhelds from their consoles, and I think that's what's hurting them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to, you know, Gunpei's, you know, withering technology sort of thing. That works for handhelds, and it's worked for Nintendo forever there. And handhelds are always lower powered than Sony's or the competition, sure. you know, Pocket Color. But they have the software. But they have the software, and it works. Where it's not working for them is consoles. They've always tried to, you know, keep costs down by using older tech on consoles, but it's at the point now, people have HDTVs, big TVs. When you plug something into your TV, you want to be wowed. And while I'm not saying I'm in that boat, I like the Wii U, I like the Wii and all that, it's not working for the majority of consumers. So I think, you know, if, if they if they rest too much on the success of their handhelds or look to it too much, uh, it can get them in trouble. But I think that you have to, you can almost say without the Game Boy, though, you, you wouldn't have the, the plethora of, you know, of these, you know, iPhone games and things like that, because Nintendo sort of created that sort of world of handheld gaming that wasn't really there before. Sure, it only someone is. else might have might have picked it up, but honestly, no. Some kids had the Game Gear. 
the Game Gear was not the best system. It, requ- really. it required Nintendo doing it right yeah. to, to really open that market up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, I feel like somehow it would have fallen into place. We'd still have portable tech, and people would be like, hey, it would be cool if we had sure. games on it. But we wouldn't have gotten there as quickly as we did if it wasn't sure. for the Game Boy. Nintendo sort of kicked the door open. Sure. You know, you could have had, you know, the, the Lynx. Yeah, some people love the Lynx, but come on, really? Or the Game Gear. Again, come on, really? It's a, it's a, it's a master system on, on, you know, basically a portable master system. But That's they really didn't have Gear. a lot of these. Oh, yeah, Game Gear. Gear yeah. yeah. You know, I like the Lynx, though. I love the Turbo Express. But, um, yeah. So the Game Gear is, uh, uh, in terms of, uh, like, collectability, it's not as collected as you'd think it'd be for a system that was that popular. It's nowhere near... Collect like the NESs. There was a spurt a couple of years ago where every collector who had to be collecting the hot thing at the time was going after boxed complete Game yes, Boy Yes, but not games. going for like a loose set. You never hear a lot of people saying, I have a loose Game Boy set. You know what? I was looking at my Game Boy games the other night because I have so much fun with them mm-hmm. and I was like, if I were to ever... Ever go for a full set of be Game Boy? It'd be Game Boy. Why? Because it can be done cheaply, Ex- with the exception of a few expensive ones. And most of those expensive ones would be ones that I actually want to play. I mean, I'm not going to. Well, here's but... the thing, though. A lot of those games that are hard to find, yeah, they're they're cheap right now. Like, like I always, I, I think I told you, like Universal Soldier, I have in the box. You can't find it loose, or, or right. World Championship Wrestling, you can't find it. But if a lot of people start going into that, then there's not many of those copies for whatever reason. But, uh, I don't know, by the same token, I really looked through all the games that I had in my, my How many do you have? Box. Let's go for a complete setting. Let's, let's... I've, got, I don't, I've got like 50. Oh, yeah, I think I have like 200. Yeah. And, but like, every, but here's the thing, you know, I always talk about curating your collection. Any game that I pull out of that lunchbox is something that I'm going to look at and go, yeah, I, I want to play this. So, anyways, Game Boy is awesome. I love it. I gotta start playing it. We should link up and, uh, that sounds dirty. No, not unless you want it to sound dirty. I would, do I have the link? I'm trying to think if I have the link. I do. I have, I have a link. Um, I, I have links. For oh, I, oh, I have the F1 race link, so I have that, so we can just use that. Yeah, see, I want to... That's what I would really like to do, is uh, I've always wanted to do a four-player... I was actually playing F1 race the other night. It's a really fun game. Was, why, really simple. Really why don't fun. we have a Game Boy night? And we just... I just want, I want to get four people and four Game Boys and do four-player Is F1. that the only four-player game? No, I think there's a the couple F1? more, but I really... I think... Uh, I think the Nintendo World Cup soccer port for Game Boy is four players. Is that, well. is that a pretty good port? Yeah, it's really decent. I think the Nintendo but, one. Yeah, definitely want to. Maybe, maybe if I make it back to Magfest this year, we can all have a meetup. Make it four, back to Magfest. We can we can all do four player link up F one. Bring our old ass Game Boys. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my sweet tricked out one. Oh no, I'll bring the color one. Yeah, I bring. I have a silver one. I think I have a silver one. I have a few color. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Pocket. Well, actually, no. Well, I want to bring the. Well, do you like to have the have the color would? Actually, for the four-player adapter, I think you would need to have DMGs because of the size of the port. They shrunk the port. You can't use it for the pocket, even? You can get... Well, no, yeah, you can get big to small. Yeah, you can do it. Oh, you can? Yeah, never mind. There's an adapter, or it can fit, though? There's... No, you can get some that are big on one end for the DMGs and small on the other for the pockets. Really? They made a different link? Yeah, it's a different different port. Oh, different port. But I think as long... Yeah, so I think as long as you have one DMG to host it, you're fine. Anyways, Whatever. I was Game Boy, Game Game Boy, good. All right, buy it today in store. <laughs> Piss off Ian when you buy it. Yeah, a- ask for a hundred dollars off the price. <laughs> All right, All um, right. we're going to talk a little bit. Let's take a short break right here while I tweet out. It's our mid-show break. Let's do let's do an let's do a live read. We should just do random live reads. <laughs> Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. We'll do a live. Why do you keep talking about Danny? I love Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. It's right in my eye, right there next to Dance Aerobics. And next to Darkwing Duck, which ooh, I might need a label replacement. I think you heard it. Well, well, you know what came on at the gym today? Uh, Thompson Twins hold me now. 
Hold me now. Not as good as Tarzan, boy. Whoa, hold my heart. It's fucking awful. Can we move on to another topic? Stay with me, why don't you stay with me? Let love is start, let love... I said it's a break. A a break for what? It's a break. For me to tweet tweet something? Yeah, for me to tweet something. We aren't taking any breaks. This is my break. We're sitting here. You've taken a piss break during the podcast before. in between this and Q&A, let's let's tweet. Do you know how radio shows podcasts work? There's there's breaks sometimes. Mm -hmm. And plus, this isn't, you know... Just tweet. (laughs) Just tweet your shit. We are back. Yeah, we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening out there. We appreciate your support. Retweet. Hashtag it. Whatever else. Um, so we're going to talk about... We haven't really done many sort of movie discussions reviews on the show. But this is one that kind of took me by surprise to the extent that I enjoyed it and thought it was well made. Captain America uh, Winter Soldier, which is a Phase 2 Marvel film. Let's point out that there's probably going to be some spoilers in here. It's Perhaps. been out. It's been out for three weeks almost, but there's going to be spoilers. Yeah, so there will be. So if, <laughs> if you're adverse to that, if you're waiting to watch it at home on your couch, he's, out now. He's a ghost. All right. he's, he's, <laughs> not any ghost. He's Booberry. <laughs> um, so yeah, no. Okay, I found this. Let's back up here. Yeah. Okay. So Fine. Captain America is my second favorite superhero behind Spider-Man. Um, so when the when the Captain America First Avenger film came out, I was very excited. Uh, the casting of Chris Evans, I thought was, I was kind of halfway at the time just because he had played the Human Torch in the in the two below average Fox Fantastic Four movies. So I'm like, okay, but I, I wasn't getting all up in arms like a lot of the fans was like, oh, he can't play two characters. I didn't care to that extent because I figured in five years now, no one's going to give a shit about those movies, and no one gives a shit about those Fantastic Four movies so much for them, so that they're rebooting it next year. Yeah. So he did a fine job in the first movie. Um, the origin was told well in the first film. I did not like the first film's uh, story a huge amount. I, I liked Hugo Weaving's portrayal of the Red Skull. But it's, it's a, it was a war film. It was a World War II war film, which is fine. That was cool. I like how the Marvel films have different styles to some of their, their movies. You know, like the first Thor movie was almost like a Shakespearean drama in some extent to how it was, how it was, uh, how it was conveyed on, on screen. So I liked the movie. I didn't like a lot of the montage sequences. I thought the action could have been better with how Captain America moved. I go back to how um, the villain in the Incredible Hulk uh, film uh, the one that took the serum, the actually the super soldier serum, uh, Blodsky, whatever his name is, someone's going to correct me. He moves like Captain America against the Hulk. He was doing dives and and running around, flipping and shooting at the Hulk in that scene on campus. And at the at the at the time, I thought, holy shit, that's how Captain America is going to move, and that's how he should move. Like he's the peak human. He has the best agility, speed, and strength of a human being. That's Captain America. Uh, but he didn't in the first movie. The action was very uh, sort of uh, straightforward, not a lot of diving back and forth, showing off his agility. So so Winter Soldier uh, comes out. Oh, I'll back up again. Avengers comes out. Avengers comes out, and Captain America, I thought, got short change in Avengers. He has almost no scenes. He has almost no scenes. He's always sitting down at the table, um, just going back and forth with Stark. Yeah, he does lead at the end, but he doesn't have a huge, huge amount of action. And his his banter wasn't wasn't well written to the character. Right. And, and, and yeah, I, I was a little, see, cause I hadn't seen the first one and I still have it. Really? And, and, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, which is, ups- which is upsetting to Vani because it's upsetting it, to me. Cause then there's a few scenes in the second one. You're like, what the fuck is this? No, it, I know comics. They all make sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not fucking hard. The Haley Atwell it. scene didn't make as, wasn't as impactful as it should have been though. And, and he, I got it. You got so it. anyways, that's Vani's favorite superheroes cap. 
so you know she was like we have to go mm-hmm. um but yeah i remember seeing in the avengers i really wanted to see because i hadn't seen the first cap film i was really looking forward to some good captain america action and it just wasn't there and his banter wasn't there but i could tell that it, it wasn't chris evans i could no. tell that it was just he wasn't really written into that it was almost like the iron man movie avengers yeah no, it was. It was. It was very much an Iron Man movie. Uh, I mean, more so than it was an Avengers movie. Um, which is not to say I didn't like the Avengers, because I did. Uh, I know everyone out there thinks I fucking hate everything, but I actually really liked the Avengers movie. I liked it, but it's not a movie I'll have to go back and rewatch. I don't know so. that it would stand up to repeat viewings. I've only seen it once. However, I would watch Winter Soldier again. And again. And probably at least... I've seen it again. twice already. Yeah. So the, So... When I first saw the trailers for Captain America Winter Soldier, I'm like, okay. They did a great job of protecting the plot in both trailers, in both the teaser and in the full trailer. Hell, the name itself is just based upon the villain, which, spoiler, is his old friend Bucky, who dies in the first one. Anyone who knows comics back. knows that's yeah. Bucky. Yeah. But- so that was the that's kind of the only thing they gave away, was that. They gave away almost nothing else from the plot. Even in the full trailer, you see some things like, okay... Captain America, he doesn't like what's going on, maybe with S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's it. That's where it ends, which you kind of expect it to be a natural sort of plot with that anyway, because people... I, I I I don't like when people get on Captain America saying, oh, he's just some American thing. When Captain America came back in the 60s, uh, once you hit the Vietnam War, he wasn't like, oh, let's go kill all those Vietnamese. He was questioning the government. And that's why I love Captain America, because he stands up for the true ideals of America. Me too. Everyone looks at Cap. People who don't know comics have this tendency to look at Captain America as this jingoistic, you know, bullshit, pro, uh, pro-everything character. And actually, one of my very close friends, who I've known for two and a half decades, thought that too. And when I went home recently, he was like, you know, I uh, gotta tell you, my opinion on Captain America has changed about 100%. You know, tell Vani, I'm pretty sure she's yeah. a police. I'm like, yeah, dude, once you read and see some actual Cap stuff, stuff that's written by good authors, or, or you know, he's a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's... Because he comes from the, the World War II era, where, yeah, pro-USA, we were fighting to save the world in right. World War II. Make no bones about it. That was huge stakes. Yep. We were on the right side. And so, for Captain America to lead the way there, yeah, it was jingoistic. Hell, he was used as a propaganda tool in, in World War II. In the movie, he was, too, which is funny. The first movie, they actually have him shooting... You know, serials, which they actually did during World War II, so right. it was pretty cool. And they actually show a kid reading like the Captain America comics. They actually built it into the first movie that he was used as a propaganda tool, which was was pretty clever. They actually show him punching out Hitler, um, which is fine. But then he's a fish out of water. He comes back, so he has to adjust, which is always fascinating. That's always fascinating how you have to adjust, you know, to a modern world. But then he's like, oh, okay, the world's changed, but he hasn't. His ideals are still there. He's, you know, bleeding red, white, and blue. Yeah, he is patriotic, but he's not just going to go pro-USA no matter what. So that was what surprised me the most about this. And this is why I always go back to Disney really surprising me with what they're doing creatively uh, with, with their franchises. Both with their Pixar films, they have a lot to say. And a lot of it's not always, you know, pro either pro-USA or pro-whatever. Look at the movie like Wally. Which is basically a very pro, uh, both not only uh, environmentalism but very anti-consumerism movie, and and that's a huge Pixar film. And Disney was okay with it. This is a is a very politically charged movie, especially in the age we are we are living in. Yeah. No matter what side you're on, a lot of people on the left and the right uh, uh, agree that stuff like the NSA yeah. and and having a kill list in the government, which does exist. Uh, 
is too much of government overreaching and overstepping. Yeah, and is, that's where Captain America comes into play in this. And it was beautifully written. This is the, that. that was something that I, I thought was very interesting upon leaving the theater was uh, a lot of thinly veiled politics are in this movie. Thinly veiled? Thinly. If, it's if not the, even thinly right. veiled. And it's not left or right leaning. It's it's, it's basically not. concerns that we all have. It doesn't matter if you're if you're you're a bleeding heart liberal or a diehard conservative, um, you're gonna walk away with from Captain America, I think. I mean there's there's always people out there who can surprise you, but um I, I think you're gonna walk away and be like, no that the, the message in that movie was was fucking sound. Yeah, yeah. Um the, uh, I know you don't like talking politics, but at, at its core, I would say liberals and uh People on on the right, which are go for small government, and libertarians, I do lean libertarian, are very fearful of having too large a government that oversees everything that's going on. And they even said the writers, and these are guys that worked on the Community series, they even said when they when they were producing the movie last year, that's when the Edward Snowden stuff came out. It was almost like a perfect storm because they they didn't write it with, knowing that that would happen with him right. revealing all the NSA stuff and having them not only that they're collecting our. Uh, phone records, but our phone calls, you know, and storing them in huge databases and things like that that are really scary to me. And this is what Winter Soldier taps into is that it's not even paranoia because it's happening. It's just saying, now what happens when that much control now gets into the wrong hands? And that's what scares Captain America. Because even at the beginning of the film, uh, Nick Fury's like, well, he goes to Cap, this is the world we live in now. You have to just get with it. You know, they're basically saying that they're going to launch these three insight tel- uh, uh, telehariers, ca- whatever they are, tele- telehariers? Helicarriers. Helicarriers, yeah. That can stay in the air and are, have huge guns and can coordinate from a satellite and basically, so yeah, we can we can kill uh, terrorists in, in their rabbit holes. Yeah, that sounds good on paper. But then what happens? What, who's deciding who's the terrorist? Right. That's the fear. You know, like who, who decides and who gets put on that kill list? Right. You know, and, then, and that's what Cap, the Cap is questioning. Like... So you're going to preemptively just kill people now, basically that you, that you think are dangerous. That's not that's not what he signed up for. So basically, now that we've got this laid out, let's let, rewind a little bit and go over why this works so well. Um, and I'll go back to your statement on the the previews and how you know they they showed very little. Um, knowing that a good portion of people going into that movie would know that Bucky is the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. They threw so many twists and turns yes. at you because so many people, I think, went into that movie thinking, "I know who the bad guy is. What are they going to do?" Now, I know Iron Man three divided a lot of people, but I had a little bit more faith going into Winter Soldier because Iron Man three threw me for a couple of loops. And I liked Iron Man. Yeah, I, I did too. I liked it a lot. Um, I know a lot of people don't like. I like that it took risks. Yeah, I did too. I don't like. The, I, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like how they handled the Mandarin, but I just thought it was a good movie. Anyways, different movie. Um, I, I I knew that they were gonna. They were going to throw some curveballs at us, sure. and it worked really well. And I just, you know, the, you know, I mean, when we already said spoiler alert, when when, when they shoot, when they shoot, uh, and they they, they Fury. kill Fury, I mean, I knew that he was coming back, but the how? fact that but, where is yes. he coming back? How is he coming back? Like everything that happened, you knew kind of what was going to happen, but you didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't. Okay, you kind of figured that. By the way, Robert Redford, Redford did an incredible oh, he was, job. He was fucking fantastic. I love that these Mar- the Marvel films are getting these great. Even like, like we always go back to Stanley Tucci, who was in the first Captain yeah. America, not, not almost a throwaway part, but he he brings so much more to the movie. Or, or Tom Lee Jones. So, and they got Redford partially because in the seventies he was in all those political thrillers. Right. Like all the president's men, what three days of, con- of the Condor? Yeah, he, so, he already knows the genre. Yeah, that's probably why he's like, "Wow, this is the stuff I was doing 30, 40 years ago. This is really cool." Right, and that's how this movie is constructed. 
this is not to me a superhero movie. Yes, it has your third act superhero stuff where you have to save save the world, but it's constructed as a political political thriller. No, but here's the, the beauty: it is it is a political thriller at its core, but it is also a superhero movie, and it's also hands down the best damn action movie I have seen in a while in, in forever. Why? Because it didn't. There was some good set pieces, but the action wasn't guns and lasers. And even though Cap used his shield a lot, there was so much hand-to-hand choreography in that movie. And it was movie, done well. And it was done well, with very little effect, just very good hand-to-hand choreography. They, yep. Like, like old-school 80s beat-em-up action, and it and was... The, and the car chase scene, which was almost all, almost no CG, I could tell. Freaking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, but all that hand-to-hand combat, that's, you know, the scenes on the boat, the scene in the elevator, like, all that stuff... It made me so happy to see it because yes. we haven't seen visceral, you know, action movie stuff. And like it was well so- shot. It wasn't confusing like the board movies where it was too shaky. You couldn't tell what's going on. Right. No, it was, it was very... It there was, was very a little bit of that, but you could tell what's going on. Unlike, unlike most action movies these days, no, there was a lot of still frame stuff where you just saw two, two people go, going at it. Um, and that's the thing. The movie was fast-paced. It was action-packed. It had a great story. The pacing was fantastic. It, it was... never it never once lingered on anything. No, it didn't, it didn't to... feel like a movie that was two hours and 20 minutes or it whatever was... it was about that. It was it was like Chris Evans' chiseled body. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sleek. And... It was, it was, it was... All... No, no fat. No muscle. No, no fat. Muscle, no fat. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, it was awesome. I think what was, was very important about it um, was that... Everything had consequences, and then p- people got hurt. Yes. Like you used to, like these superhero movies where, yeah, they get hurt, but they raise the stakes. When Fury gets shot, you're like, holy shit! Even though you might think he's coming back, I, I thought they might have actually killed him off and taken that big risk to kill him off. That's just me. I think I, I thought that was ballsy to even. I, I just thought that. I know yeah. you, 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 you think stretcher spots are real in wrestling? No, 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 <laughs> no. Listen, listen. Just think about the balls that they did kill him off. No, I know, I know. I, I, and that's I, the one I was saying. I was like, wow, they have the ball. Because if they killed off that character at that point, which most of the audience, 90% of the audience thought he was dead, this movie is, yes. Come on. I, don't I disagree. Think, I don't think the casual per- person that doesn't read a lot of the comics uh, would have thought that he wasn't dead. I, I honestly don't. don't. But the whole point was he got hurt. Sure. He was hurt. That, that was an excellent scene. And, yes. and the car chase scene, because he got his ass. Like, just the visceral reaction of having these they were fake cops they were really shield hydra yeah open fire with mach- machine guns on his car you're like, you're like holy shit in the middle of broad daylight yeah no it was it was a brutal movie with less like kid friendly it was, this was it, not a movie for kids at all and it was pg-13 but it was far less kid friendly than any of the prior marvel movies no this a lot was, of blood a lot of like upsetting situations a lot of stuff yeah like that. Uh, captain america gets shot multiple times yeah. black widow gets shot yep. and you're like holy shit like they they did it to the point where you actually th- I know what Stuart said you think they could have got killed because they showed characters getting really messed up. Yep. You know it was very grounded. Again until that third act where yes they have to go onto onto all, all superhero. Yeah. Well I mean that's, yeah, they that's have the fun. I mean but, that's that's the payoff. Yeah, but again uh, I like the fact that it, it was done. In a, everything fit. So his distrust of Black Widow at the beginning, Captain America's distrust of, distrust of Black Widow because she was writing basically a covert op inside the mission for Nick Fury to get that data off of the ship. You know, stuff like that. So even Cap's like, I don't know what the hell, I, I don't know if I like this, what's going on. And it took a while for Nick Fury to see that too. 
I really liked that they played up the distrust angle and they didn't resolve it immediately, no. kind of like they did in Avengers between Iron Man and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, they really played it out long term. But I do want to make a point that I thought was, something that I thought was great. Um, Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow. Also didn't impress me a ton in Avengers. No. But in but in this, the way that, and I, I, I don't want to discredit her because I've liked her in a lot of films, but. It, I, I feel like this is more a compliment to Chris Evans or just how I think they all work script. together. Chris Evans plays off of Scarlett Johansson so well, and even better, I have to really shout out to uh, Anthony Mackie, yes. the guy who played Falcon. Him, he's fucking awesome. He's I extre- love him, and I can't wait to see more of him. And the way him and 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 uh, Chris Evans played off each other was outstanding. I, th- I hate to say he was extremely likable. But the f- second I saw him, I'm like, this guy's really Dude, fucking cool. From their opening moment. Which is hysterical, the first yeah, scene in the movie. Yeah, the first scene in the movie all the way to and, the end. Like, all three of them played an amazing group of ragtag friends. Yeah. And it's almost sad to me that we won't just get those three doing it again. You in, might, in a third movie. Well, yeah, that would be fun. Uh, there, he's going to be do a third Captain America in the third Avengers, at least. Uh, but And second Avengers. But, uh, yeah, Anthony Mackie, I was, here's the thing, I, I have a lot of those early 70s when it was Captain America and Falcon, Yeah, when he was wearing, like, the, the vest and the wings, and they did a great job updating the character, and they gave him a cool sort of, sort of spin that he was sort of re- retired, but he was running, you know, a PTSD sort of group in, at the VA. I'm like, that's really cool. You know, they're, they're sort of keeping it somewhat relevant and giving him a reason for, you know, he kind of, a way for him to identify, their, him and Cap are both war veterans. They both went through the same sort of hell. From what I understand, it's more mixing, and Bonnie loves it, it's more mixing of uh, the Ultimate Universe and the non-Ultimate Universe. Because apparently, she said that that Falcon is based heavily off of Ultimate Falcon. Well, I'm sure, you can't have him flying around with feathery wings yeah. in these Marvel yeah, films. Yeah. I had no problem with them updating no. something like Neither that. Do I. Like, just like I, I no problem. Just like I don't mind the fact that they took Ultimate Nick Fury and put him in the... No, the I have no problem with it. Yeah. The only problem with that is I wish they had an old Nick Fury, too. That's the only thing. I wish they had both. <laughs> but, but no, uh, Chris Evans, like I said, um, it's very hard. Uh, I give him a lot of credit because it's very difficult, I could tell, to, to act in a very earnest sort of straightforward way without seeming, seeming corny. But he never did. He doesn't seem corny. No, he's awesome. He, you, he does act like someone who is a fish out of water trying to adjust, but it doesn't, seem, it doesn't come off contrived. It didn't come off like, wow, he's just corny. He doesn't belong in this America. He, he came up with someone that really, that's who he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, I, I, that's why I love Captain America. In that scene where he goes and he sees the exhibit on himself, that was great. That sort of got to you. Yeah, that kind of got. But but why was he doing that? And this is this is one. And I knew they were going to do this scene from the first one. And I honestly teared up the first time I saw it when he goes to, to visit uh, Peggy. Yeah, Peggy Peggy Carter from the first film. And that that was honestly that that got me to tears because t- it's always like see I love stuff like that. That's why I love Highlander because in Highlander the one person never ages in the first movie Connor McCloud and he sees his love of his life grow old and how would you deal with that it'd be devastating sure. it's the most devastating and he, there he is and a, a scene not really needed for the movie but it was beautifully done and it showed a lot of the character that he's there visiting who has to be a woman probably in her mid 90s like Cap is and she's dying she has Alzheimer's in, in, in this hospital and she's like crying and it's like that got to me I'm sorry and, and, and he's there and that's the love of his life and she's gonna die pretty soon it's still you know? it wasn't a scene that was necessary to the plot, but it wasn't fat like we were talking no, it about earlier. It, it totally helps you. It was develop. a character establishment. Yeah, it, it totally helps you feel closer to the character. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, 
action yeah. was fantastic. The first scene, when I saw that first scene, him take out, I was like, holy shit, that's Captain America. Like, yeah. that was a perfect, perfectly done, like I said, uh, Black Widow was, was written better. I think that was partly Scarlett Johansson, partly, again, these were comedy writers. But it wasn't, the comedy was not overdone. They fit it in where they could. That's the other thing I like. It, I, it was. I felt like the comedy was a little bit heavier in the first third, and then probably because of comedy writers. And then by the second and third act, like they had toned it down to where it was like just enough that it's still yes. that signature Marvel movie comedy. But they by, really, by, they, by, the, by the time they got to New Jersey and got to the old barracks, basically they yeah. fit in little lines. Like the, the War Games joke was was hysterical. The War Games joke was hilarious when, I, when she's like, "Would you like to play?" Yeah, a game? I actually saw that come yeah. like That's funny. Yeah, I saw, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I saw that." Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Just stuff, stuff like that, um, and then the, the like all the all the all the all the action scenes. Some of the best action I've seen. They the the, the, the they're brothers, uh, the directors. Yes, let me are. just go real quick to the directors. Directed by why Anthony is that Russo, on Anthony? It is Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. They even said that they modeled the shootout scene off of Heat, Michael Mann's Heat. Yeah. Which, when you see, you're like, that's why it's awesome. Sure. How it's cut, how there's minimal music, they let the sound of the gunfire and everything do the talking, how well it's choreographed, you always know where all the... That's the most important thing that people forget when when shooting, when writing and shooting action scenes. You have to let the audience know where all the parties are so it makes sense that's in their head. and that, So it lets you know the urgency of the situation and lets you know then movement between characters why it makes sense and so you can follow on the story in your head and they did that beautifully because there was the stuff going on the bridge and underneath and then they had black widow off to the side getting shot at by, by uh, winter soldier yep. all at the same time i remember thinking that when i watched it wow this is incredibly easy to track yes like it, you never guessed you know you weren't just watching guns fire and waiting for the outcome to to play out you could actually build the map of what was going on in your head and that's that's just fucking great directing and and, and writing of the sure. scene and then enough twists and turns to keep you going, and again, politically, uh, like just relevant as hell. Yeah. Which I said they, they probably didn't even plan to that extent how relevant it was going to be. Oh. It sort of just created the perfect storm. It gets you to think. Awesome action. I love Cap. I can't wait till basically the next Marvel stuff coming out down the pipe. You got Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, you, you don't, you can't count Amazing Spider-Man two because that's not a Marvel film, and and X Men: Days of Future Past is not a Marvel film. But yeah, but I, as a as a, as as a huge X-Men fan. You're looking forward to it? I'm sorry. I, I was really, really like, eh. And then I saw the preview and I was like, what I liked about the preview is they didn't focus on action. They focused on the drama of sure. it. And I was like, it looks like they might have this right. The only thing Maybe. I don't like, the only thing I don't like is that all these X-Men movies, besides for uh, First Class, are all Wolverine movies, which I can't stand. A bit. There's so much Wolverine movies. So hopefully this one isn't as big uh, uh, for that Well, he factors in fairly heavily into that story, but I, I don't think it's going to be as much of a Wolverine movie as, as, as one and two were. I also like the fact that, well, this is, again, a spoiler. That you're going to have Quicksilver both in this movie and in the Avengers next year. Yeah, but they're different because they're, they're, yeah. they're mutants in one and they're miracles in another. Yes, which is a great way around it. <laughs> Anyways, that's a great way around it. So if you have not seen Winter Soldier, I was. It's so weird with these Phase Two movies: Iron Man Three, Thor Two, and and Winter Soldier. I was so much more impressed by uh, Three versus Two, Thor Two versus One. I and, still need to see and, Thor Two. You still need to see the first Captain America, which I can't believe you didn't see it. We'll get there. So, anyway, go out and see Winter Soldier. Um, even if you don't like the character, you might like him afterwards. I mean, you um, probably will. Yeah, <laughs> I you really probably feel will. like you will. I mean, it, 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 it turns... Cap- I mean, it, it takes all pre- preconceived notions of Captain America 
if you're a Captain America hater and you don't know him, and it'll really turn them on uh, on their heads. And if you're already a Captain America fan, you'll see him written very well, and you'll see the best action of, I'd say, any of the Marvel films so far. It's the best Marvel films produced film so far. That fucking elevator scene. That was fantastic. Nothing personal. Sure feels personal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and that's going to be, spoiler, that'll be Crossbones, probably. Crossbones? Yeah, Captain. Oh, yeah. That's gonna be Crossbones. Yep. He did a great job, that guy. Whoever played uh, what, what Remolo, he did an yeah, awesome yeah, job. Yeah, he did do pretty. He well. thought he was gonna be some stock stock villain, and now he was no, he was he, great. He did well. He did very well. All right, all right. So moving on. Q and A. Q and A time, everybody. And again, we have this pre pre uh, predetermined like like wrestling. I'll just please record. I want to see it again. I would. I wouldn't mind honestly seeing. Uh, uh, I had just as much fun seeing the second time. Art seen it twice. I'll, I'll, I, honestly, if I can find a time to take Vami before one of those other movies we want to see comes out. Would she want to see it again? I, yeah, I mean. Was she just, like, giggling, oh, like, she gleefully? Was, she was super happy about By it. By the yeah. first scene, him taking out everyone she, on the ship? She loved it. She, yeah, Holy. she loved how Captain. Oh, acted. we didn't talk about how awesome even uh, GSP was. Uh, G- George St. Pierre. Oh, well. As Batrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just great casting. Yep. Why wouldn't you have a mixed martial arts play a guy that does martial I mean, just. Yeah, that was you know really what I mean? good. Anyways, whatever. We can talk about this forever. Let's get on to the Q&A. God, I'm so happy for what, when you have good action movies. I hate when people say, oh, it's just a popcorn movie. You can do This a is pop- far beyond a couple... This is, this is not I know. A this is a whole movie. conversation, but I'll just say, you can do a summer blockbuster film and have it be intelligent and have action. Yep. Absolutely. It's, this movie is like a huge chunk action, yet it did not skimp on story at all. No. I hate when people say, oh, Transformers is a popcorn movie. I fucking hate... That's such a cop-out. No. If you're a good writer and good director, you can have something be both extremely entertaining for the masses and tell an intelligent story. And that's why I love Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay. Q&A time. First up from... At Jake underscore Boston. What is your opinion on playing old game systems on an HDTV? I'm building a game room. Should I stick with an old tube TV? Yes. If you're building... Especially if you're building a separate room just for games... Get yourself an, uh, a CRT TV, or get yourself a PVM. Um, get yourself a video monitor. You don't want anything huge, because you don't need huge things for games. Games don't necessarily look amazing blown up to huge sizes. Get yourself something reasonable, like a 19-inch. Sure. Got uh, 24. Something small next to your big LCD TV, even off to the side. Right. Just for your old school games. Yeah, like I said, for, you know, for that that's exactly what you want to do. Um, if you're going to play on an HDTV... Uh, you know, I mean, I play some stuff on an HDTV. My systems, I get more play by, like, my, my, you know, when I have company over, like, my PC engine, which is a fun system for everyone. Uh, I do hook it up to the HDTV from time to time. Make sure you put it in proper aspect ratio. Nothing, oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing makes it look worse or better than proper or improper aspect ratio. All your like, retro street credit goes right out the window when you're playing Super Mario Brothers on widescreen. Yeah. It looks like <laughs> balls, so don't do it. Looks like balls. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, next question. This is from at Zachary uh, TMNT, probably for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I would hope so. What is a retro gamer? Someone who only plays, likes, and collects retro games, or also plays next gen? Next gen. I think you have to define it as: Do you play and enjoy retro games? Yeah, you're a retro gamer. I don't think it'd be exclusively a retro playing retro game player to be a retro gamer. Absolutely not. I play everything, but I'd consider myself largely a retro gamer. Um, I mean, you also have to define retro. I feel like, and this is not pulling an age card, because I get a lot of customers in the store who are, like, 13, 14, 15, who are into retro games, but to them, 
What retro, I think, means to a lot of people is sprite-based or games that are predominantly 2D. Mm -hmm. Now, you could also make the argument for playing retro RPGs on the PS1, but really, no, I think a retro gamer is anyone who likes playing old games. If you're not playing current tech, if you're purposely avoiding current tech because you think there's plenty to play on older systems, you are in some way, shape, or form a retro gamer. Now, do you consider the collecting part how, how he, does that come into it at all in your mind no, or is that no, separate no collecting is completely separate I, I, I don't think you have to collect at all to be a retro gamer you could you could honestly even though it's not not always my preferred method you could do nothing but ROMs on your computer now, I, I do from time to time I, we've discussed that but you know as long as you enjoy it and you're having fun and you enjoy the gameplay experience that an older game gives you then you are a retro gamer by by fact, because I, you like older stuff. I would say though, if you're trying to be true to to the experience, though, you would not use you know ROMs. Well, you know, you you would you would at least I mean at you the, should at least have the hardware at the very le- I mean very very least go out and buy yourself one of those USB dongles, hook it up to an NES controller on your computer. At the very and I would argue that you're still not getting the full experience because the the video and audio is not exactly the same. And you could say what you will about the timing not being precise on the controller, but at least you're using it the controller. You know, and if you're going to do that, don't get the ones that are already hardwired. No, get those the, are get, shitty. Get the ports. Get the adapter. They cost about $12. You only need one. You can, hell, you can get a four score and hook it up to your computer, and then you can plug in whatever controller you want. And that's what I use if I have to play on on a computer. Yeah, I would like say you know I think I think emulation is a good gateway into becoming a retro gamer. It's a or gateway find, drug, or, or finding the system that you want. Hell, to that's push. how we started. Probably come back in the late nineties. Sure, you know, I mean, it's a good way to find the system that you want to actually actively put money into. Sure, you know, I think at the end though. If you're really into retro games, you're at least going to end up with the hardware, and you might end up with an EverDrive. But I think if you're really into a system, you're going to own some of the games physically. Sure. Anyways, onwards. This is from at Mega Five K Megan. Always, uh, always in the chat room when we're doing this live. Hey, Megan. Hello. Do you, do you think that NES Remix belong being exclusive to the Wii U and not the 3DS is a good thing or a bad thing? I think we actually covered this once before, but I put it on here just to make it like a, a more definitive like a statement. Crystal. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing that it's just on uh, the Wii U. Look, they need they need something to entice people to the Wii U, and NES Remix is a pretty cool concept. I liked what I played a bit, but you know what? You look at it and you go, "Man, this really seems like it was kind of meant for." Handhelds, like this is the yeah. perfect sort of handheld quick travel game, and this goes back to my my old theory of Nintendo really needs to figure out some way to work in a PlayStation style cross buy system where you don't just have to have it on one, mm-hmm. you can have it on both, and they still haven't grasped that. They're putting out Game Boy Advance fucking downloads on the Wii U, but not the 3DS. That makes no fucking sense. None. Why would why, why would you do that? So, anyways, um. I don't feel like it's a bad thing that it's on the Wii U. It's great. It's fun. I've played it. But I feel like Nintendo really needs to get some sort of cross-promoting between the two systems. Well, you'd have to think they'll wait a year or it'll come out eventually. I don't, I don't fucking know with Nintendo. I mean, I like them, but I don't... You don't think... I can't done. fucking guess what they're going to do next. I don't know. Come out tomorrow and be like, we're selling pet turtles. We give up the video game <laughs> business. Pet, 
pet turtles are the new big thing no, in Japan. We're going back they're to ga- just we're going back to game and watches. Every every game has its own system. Again. Hanafuda is the next big thing. We are going back to cards, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to go back to doing those big uh, the original Duck Hunt and Wild Gunman arcade games where it's live action on a on a, <laughs> on a tape basically from like '74. Yeah, wish I, I wish I ever saw one of those in an arcade. All right, the next question we have is from at uh, Jesse Balcom 62 Sour Juggernaut, which is a great name. What would you say the collectors deciding to sell their collections? And should they try to exclusively sell only to other collectors? Well, I mean, it depends on... It's up to you, really. I'm not going to begrudge someone trying to get some sort of maximum value for their games if they want to give it up. That, that Honestly, that doesn't bother me to that extent. Throw them on eBay... See what happens. It only bothers me when people hold games hostage. And that's where the really my hatred for the scalpers comes in because they are holding the games hostage and trying to set their own price. That's the only thing that truly bothers me when it comes to that extent. Yeah. You know, do you want to if you want to deal out to a fellow collector and at least take off 10 or 15% off of eBay, fine, that's what it's more convenient for you at the same time because you don't deal with the time and effort and PayPal and eBay fees that come with uh, come with selling your games. That's what I you know. Would, that's kind of what I would say. First of all, I don't think. I mean, if this is, I don't know. This is a what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think you should only sell the collectors just because they're in the known, they're in the hobby. Okay, mm-hmm. but but there is a benefit to selling the collectors, and that's you can move a lot of stuff really quick. Most collectors don't care if they are picking up doubles of something as long as you're giving it to him for a good price. As a person who is solely whittling away his NES collection, um, I sell the collectors a lot, and it's easier. Now, what you need to know is basically what kind of Pat told you. When you sell to a collector, um, you're not going to get top dollar. Collectors are notorious for being looking for a deal. And that's fine. So so you really need to go... Are you doing this for money, or are you just doing this because you need the space, or because your focus has moved on to a different console or a different hobby? Um, I sell the collectors gladly, and I sell for cheaper than eBay. Why? Because it just gets the shit out of my house mm-hmm. faster. Now, if I had a really rare game and I wanted to make money on it, would I sell to a collector? Well, it depends if my friend was looking for it. But if you want full value for things, then you have to go to eBay. Sure. You know? And, and it, on and eBay, it, and eBay, most of the time, it will go to a collector. And then, most of the time. And what I would say is, honestly, your, your reseller shops, your actual stores are not your enemy. When you come down to your most common games that no one else wants, and you just need to get rid of them, mm-hmm. it's probably easier just to go to a place like, this is not meant to be a plug, but Luna or any other retro game store out there. You're talking your $2 and $3 games. Yeah, you're, you're talking, talking your about. $2 and $3 games. You know what? Go and take a dollar for them. Go and take 50 cents for them. Or even better, and this is what people don't realize about places like us, like, go for credit. We'll do credit. Like, we'll do good credit. You, mm-hmm. know? G- you know, get credit and buy something better for it. Is this a paid sponsorship ad, or what is this? You're a paid sponsorship <laughs> ad. But all I'm saying is, like, you know, sell the collectors, you know, take take your money games and sell the collectors at a discount. Make them happy. Get your money. Sell some other stuff online and then take whatever's left over and just off it to a reseller who's going to at least give you something for it instead of it sitting in a box in your room forever. I will say this, though. You talk about collectors wanting a deal. A reseller will only want to pay probably usually up to half of what they're going to resell it for. No, that is true. So, I mean, I'm talking about private. I'm not talking about store. I'm talking, if you're going to deal privately, deal with a collector. If you're going to do it privately. Yeah, no, that, that's like I said. You know, deal with collectors... Or eBay, if you collectors, if you want to be nice, eBay, if you want the most money, resellers or stores, if you're getting to the bottom of the barrel and you just need to get rid of the last fifty games you have. 
This is from at Abe Rand- Randall. What about Sting? Do you want to see Sting? You like Sting? <laughs> yeah, I want to see Sting. <laughs> Sting signed. You know, you know, you know where it was finally official. Huh. By the way, this is awesome. Did you see the Warrior special on WWE yes. Network? You did watch that? Oh no, 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 that I did not see. Sorry. It, it came out. Damn, WWE is yeah. so fast and good at these putting these out. They put it out. He like, told John oh, Randall actually told me to watch. It that took. It, it came out like less than a week and a half after he died. And Sting is in this thing. Really? That rhymes. Sting's in it. It's just weird to see Sting being interviewed on a WWE. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So he was somewhere. And it must have happened a day or two before, but or they record it right when he signed the contract. But Sting's in WWE. It's just a matter of time of when they're going to use him. Anyway, I put, that, I put that question on the list just because it gave me a laugh during a bad day. <laughs> uh, following up with, I know some of you hate us talking about wrestling, so we're going to try to keep this quick. But what are your thoughts on the big WWE heels getting face pops from the crowd? In parentheses, Wise, Cesaro, etc. That was from CWR2. Chris Roberts. Um, it's not good if you want to build a true storyline and make money. Right. Uh, it's not good. Um, just because you need true faces and true heels in the battle of good versus evil to get fans you know, riled up. That's how the wrestling and entertainment business works. You know, you don't, you don't see tweeners in movies for the most part. You don't see guys that, yeah, they're halfway good and halfway bad. Because no one cares. You have to pick a side. So, the problem though with here with someone like the Wyatt family is that they are def- definitely heels in how they're portrayed on camera because they always triple team and the guy's evil and he's saying, you know, he's a cult leader. Come follow me. You're all sheep. You know, the problem with it right now, though, that is they're putting him against John Cena. And to a lot of the fans and the Smarks, they don't like John, John Cena. Cena. Right. So they're automatically going to root for Bray Wyatt. So I don't see that. That's not a, to me, that's not a booking issue. That's just how I guess the fans are perceiving it. Well, no, that's, to me, that is a booking issue because you don't, if, Look, I love the Wyatts and I love Cesaro, okay? And they're getting pops because they're good fucking wrestlers. Cesaro's a different beast, though. Well, it, it is, it is. But um, I do see that as a booking issue because you need... If you want the Wyatts, if you want Bray Wyatt to be taken as a heel, you have to put him against someone that people actually fucking care about. As a face, you mean, yes. overall. But but here's the thing, though, is that they're never going to book John Cena as a heel, though. They're never going to do it. I'm not saying they are. What I'm saying is they need a different face. I'm not saying book Bray Bray is a is a. I'm not I was saying just... Bray book Bray is a face. I'm saying Bray will become a heel if you put him up against someone who that's, is who is universally a face. That's the problem. There's no one. It's very it's well. Very I know thin. there there isn't. The roster's thin when yeah. it comes to like the big faces. There the, really is no one. This is kind of the problem that's happened with this smart mark thing. That I mean, I mean, it was taking off in the late '90s, and now it's really taken off. It's really hard to genuinely write a heel face storyline. I think and have it mean something. To some extent. But here's a problem, though. With someone like Cesaro that, in terms of pure wrestling, and he's just outstanding. Yeah, yeah, he's Probably great. the strongest guy, pound for pound. It could be just the strongest guy, period, wrestling right now. Um, is that they booked him as a face. Uh, he, he left... He left the real Americans with yeah. the heel stable. Jack Swagger is a heel. Jack Swagger hasn't been a face for like five, six years. So he's not even ambiguous in what he is. So he leaves this uh, this stable. He wins cleanly a battle royal at WrestleMania by lifting up the big show, dragging him four feet and tossing him again cleanly, and then shakes his hand afterwards, which is what heels do when they turn face. Right. They shake hands. And so... He's a face, by my perspective. So then what do they do the next night, on, next night on Raw is that they give him Paul Heyman, who's the biggest heel manager. 
Right. So that's it. Doesn't make any sense. That's bad booking in a different sense. Yeah, that's terrible booking. Yeah, it's awful. because now then you don't know what you're supposed to do. Even yeah. even if I'm just talking as a casual fan, you don't sure. know what to do. Yeah, because Heyman is Heyman's great from a smart perspective, but he's hated. He's been hated ever since he he basically helped turn that. He's what they used to turn CM Punk heel in mid 2012. They used him because mm-hmm. even when Cena turned on on. Uh, uh, excuse me. Even when CM Punk turned on The Rock that summer in 2012, fans were still cheering CM Punk. It took Paul Heyman to really turn CM Punk heel to the majority of fans. And so again, you you can't you can't book face 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 then heel and, and expect the fans to know what the hell's going on with them right. in their heads. It doesn't make any sense. And even Cesaro wrestling, he's not doing he's not using any heel tactics. He's not fighting dirty he's not cheating and i'm sorry that's what heels do right mr perfect was a, a great wrestler but he and guys are reflect but they still did heel tactics in the ring yeah, that's for, what you need for a good off the wall or off the top of my head comparison you know when rock turned heel the second time everyone fucking loved him but you know he still wrestled as a heel he still gave you a reason to root for the good guy even yes. though everyone loved him he may have been getting cheers but in ring or in storyline there was still a clear cut heel and a, and a clear cut face yes uh, there isn't that you have to run down the crowd if, you, if you're a heel you just have to yeah you have to use either if you're not if you're not using at least some dirty tactics you have to at least act cowardly in some way right doesn't mean you're going to run away when the shit hits a fan but you have to at least Egg the crowd on by you know leaving the ring or saying you know I got enough of this you know what I mean you have to do these sort of Rock was a great heel because he knew how to be a great heel right. when he was and he did get the crowd booing him like when Goldberg came back the crowd was really booing the Rock even though by that point I loved that was my Hollywood Rock's my favorite iteration of the Rock sure I, absolutely fair I thought it was brilliant just how he played it off overly cocky with the guitar, the guitar. but anyway the whole point is that you have to know how to book uh, if you want to maximize the attention for a feud and to make money. This is me, just my my semi expertise on wrestling. Having been watching it for a huge amount of time, you have to book heels versus faces, and tweeners don't exist for the most part. So, all right, moving on. The next question. This is from at Narc Podcast, who always seems to get a question. And hey, hey, Narky Podcast. Do you ever see Marvel making Secret Wars or DC m- making Crisis on Infinite Earths into live action movies? My answer is no on both accounts for two reasons. One, Secret Wars, I mean, maybe. They would cost half a billion dollars at least each. Easily. Well, hold on. Despite costs, I just don't think that's where Marvel is right now. It's not. And if they were to ever go there, it would be ages from now when that would probably not matter so much. Two, DC... DC doesn't know what the fuck they are doing. They, are, they, they, can't, is, yeah. they can't make a movie with a singular superhero in the name. They're not making that. Yeah, I don't even count the Batman movies. That was all Christopher Nolan. That wasn't yeah. DC or no, Warner Brothers no, no, having no. influence. Um, here's the thing. I can see them doing... Yeah, they, they can do this as animated movies because it's cheaper. And they've. I love the animated movies. That's one thing I loved uh, Warner Brothers and DC. They've done... Uh, you know, they, they've done, you know, like, uh, Batman Year One movies. Of, you'll never see those live action or or Dark Knight Returns. You'll never see, a, probably, for at least 30 years, a, a live action movie. But, hell, they did really good, you know, animated versions. But, no, there's no real reason to do this. We're, we're I'm still, in my head, really astounded that we have we got an Avengers movie. That, to me, that's awesome. And, you know, we're in the golden age of superhero movies that, you know, 50 years from now, they're going to be like, holy shit, I can't imagine having a time when there wasn't the Avengers, you know, 18 by then that's going to be released. Sure. You know, um, 
So no, I don't see it. Uh, it's just too much for a movie. There'll be, this will be like six hour movies that'll cost a billion dollars, and you know what I mean. It just it doesn't do anything for the individual characters anyway to have like oh Spider Man's in the movie for like five minutes, you know, and, and he's in Secret Wars for like you know fifteen scenes, you know, but not the whole thing. You know, people, it just won't work. Actors won't want to do it. It'll be too expensive. It won't really help out the individual stories that much. I mean, you go back and look at Secret Wars. What do you remember from Secret Wars? Spider-Man got his black suit in Secret Wars. Right. That's it. And even that didn't even matter until five or whatever it was, four years later, until it became Venom. So it didn't even matter at the start. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, this is from at game underscore mana. Do you expect any PS4 price drops this coming Christmas? I... No. And my reasoning for that is it hasn't even been out a year. Um, and it's doing well on the market as opposed to the th- Xbox One, which is doing less than well in the market. I mean, it's, it's doing okay. It's not doing as well as the PS4. The PS4 has a $100 price head start on the Xbox, Xbox One. I do think that if the Xbox One continues to undersell the PS4, that we will see an Xbox One price drop by Christmas. Can they afford to take that hit? Hardware was, they have to. Basically. It depends. I think they, depending on where things are looking by midsummer, they may have to. Do you think Nintendo will drop the two hundred? Mm, no, I think Nintendo's too hard headed for it, honestly. Uh, but no, I don't expect the PS4 to move anywhere this year. I feel like next year we might see a, a price drop or even a remodel. But I, I don't. Nah, I, I don't know. I, I really doubt that we're going to get anything cheaper than four hundred. People already perceive. Here's the problem. If people online perceive it as a bargain compared to something like the Xbox One, mm-hmm. and that makes it back to Sony, sometimes we be like, we've got a bargain on our hands. They're not going to drop a price point. When people start getting... When people start... Prices don't drop until people start complaining about a price. Sure. People are not really complaining about the PlayStation 4 price right now. They're complaining well, about right? the Xbox One price. It's selling pretty well, too. It's selling well enough for a yeah. launch system with no fucking games. I was going to say, this, this, this is the most ridiculous, this is the most ridiculous, quote-unquote, next-gen console generation you, you can think of, because yeah. it's like, it was not, it, we always say, I always say, it wasn't needed. It wasn't needed for like two more years, at least. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was going to say something gross, but I'll keep it. Something well. gross. Yeah. And uh, our our last question from the Q and A at Ginger Gamer, almost gingivitis. Do you think arcades will ever have a comeback? Well, we're going through a mini comeback right now. I, I wouldn't say it's a full comeback, obviously, since you still have all these arcades closing down, and most of the time you only find them at you know like these places like uh, Dave and Buster's. You have arcades that yeah. are popping up in cities. I think I think the it, it's it's cool, but it's also sad. You're seeing a comeback of pinball and arcade but in terms of what was released in the 80s and 90s sure you're, uh, you still have new arcade games being right. released but but the, the volume of them is so much smaller right. and none of the ones that are being released are really going to make it into any sort of barcade they're going to make it into a david yes. busters which most people like myself i don't really consider that an arcade it's it's not it's not an arcade in the way that i know it there's it's very, not it's not an arcade when you're playing those alien uh you know shooter there's games just, there's very you know? little in the way of or the, uh, or the mario kart uh racing games mario yeah. kart counts enough but it's all racing or light gun or dancing, basically. Or dancing, yeah. right? I'm, I'm thinking back to older arcades. So you've got the barcade, but that's not that's not invigorating a modern arcade revolution. No, no, one, no one's going to start making new arcade cabinets affordable to bar owners who want to cater to their mustache wearing hipsters who are buying you no. know cheap beer and you know plunking quarters you, in the Galaga. You don't need to use arcades to promote your systems anymore. 
Yeah. I mean, the Dreamcast, I always say the Dreamcast to me is the last retro gaming system because of that, because Dreamcast was basically advertising, the, the, the arcade games were advertising the system. Sure. Yeah, because they were the same exact game. Yeah. Um, so you, you don't see that. You're never going to see that. There's no reason to ever see, like, a, a, a PlayStation version of the PlayChoice 10 because everyone knows about their games through the internet and Twitter and, you know, trailers online and websites, so you don't have to go somewhere to see these new games. The arcades where I used to go to find out about new games. Yeah, That's con- the difference. Consoles existed to replicate an arcade experience, yeah. and now that consoles have surpassed the arcade experience, there is no more arcade. And so, therefore, it doesn't make any sense to put the console experience into arcades because you have the console. Right. Well, and that, and yeah. most console games that now constitute a console experience, first-person shooters, uh, free exploration RPGs, mm-hmm. you know, things like this, they have no they have no place in an arcade. They don't. And so, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see another revival to that extent. And, and I should point out that that doesn't make me happy. It's no, just, it's, it doesn't it's make us happy. It's, 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 a it's a fact of the matter. Yeah. So... I'm happy we have one that opened up in San Diego, a barcade finally. That's pretty cool. So we'll see what happens with that. Like it's only it's only a good thing. Yeah. it's only a good thing. Even if it's a crappy one, I'll 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 see for myself. It's only a good thing to get people to know about the arcade experience again. To have another generation at least have an attempt. Because when I go out uh, to uh, Portland every year and I go out to Ground Control, it's always packed. Sure. And it's an awesome awesome venue, yeah. and the, the machines are well kept. They have like thirty pinball machines. They have probably about uh, thirty, uh, you know, games there, and people are drinking, have a good time, and it at least gives you somewhat of the experience. Of course, alcohol is going to have to be involved because these places have to be, have to make money. Right. That's but, the thing. But Al- alcohol. Abs- that's the sad thing for younger generations who want to yes. get into it. Alcohol has to be involved. Why? Because the profit margin on alcohol can be skewed high enough that these places actually make money. No one is paying a bill off of a quarter per pop arcade machine. Even pinball machines where you can get away with charging 50 cents to a dollar a play on some of the new ones, you're not paying the bills unless you're selling booze. Sure. So I guess for those kids that they're going to get their experience from a Dave and Buster's or like we have the Boomers near us or Nickel City, that's the best that we can do right now. There's also a place I think in the mall... Uh, downtown, there's like an arcade upstairs. No, it, it closed. They actually closed that. Well, there yeah. you go. Unfortunately, they're starting to close them all. <laughs> but um, no, it's not gonna it's not gonna make a comeback. But I think it'll be around at least. I mean, hell, five six years ago, people just said, "What's a barcade?" So now at least you have that going on. You You're know? always gonna see some some iteration of games in a room for people to play sure. socially. It's just it's not gonna be the same as it was when we were growing up. Sure. So answer your question. So there you go. That was our. See you podcast completely unnecessary for 423 April 23rd yes that's 423 2014 <laughs> and um yeah so we'll see you back in two weeks time with some more shenanigans maybe another uh, doozer hanging out with us maybe not and uh Ian any last words yeah if that dude who wanted to sell me those fucking move controllers is listening eat shit and die and with that we're gonna see you next time for Ian Ferguson I'm Pat Contry have a good night everybody